On your Thursday episode of Locked On Raptors, we take a break from talking about the Raptors to look at Canada basketball as the men's team is getting set for the FIBA World Cup. It's been a rough go for the Canadian men trying to make the Olympics, that all-elusive Olympic bid. And I am a very disaffected Canada basketball fan, here to talk me back into Team Canada, get into the coaching change of the last couple months, and much more ahead of the World Cup is Oren Weisfeld. Let's get to it on today's show. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on and welcome to another episode of Lockdown Raptors, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Thursday, August the 10th, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms, and I've been angry about Canada basketball for just as long. Uh, and of course, you can follow the show on Instagram at Locked On Raptors. You can follow me at Woodley Sean. You can go and join the Locked On Raptors Discord server. Lots of Canada basketball talk going on in there. Link is in the description. Come hang out. would love to see you in there with all the other sickos who are in the Discord. My favorite group of sickos in the entire world uh and uh today's show is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel sportsbook official sportsbook of locked on make every moment more visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started and we will get started by bringing in today's guest a man with more bylines than you can count the guardian toronto star complex yahoo sports all the other places on the internet it's oren weisfeld making his return to the podcast here to talk a little canada basketball oren how, how, how the hell are you man I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Um, you did. You brought on the most like monotoned, also <laughs> disaffected guy from to convince you of like all the best. Yeah, things about Canada basketball. So I'll try. I'll try. But I Perfect. don't think it's in my nature to to really do that uh, too well. Well, that's uh, that's that's fine because I don't know if I'm in the mood to be convinced that Canada basketball is different this time. Frankly, I have to believe it or see it to believe it. I think at this point, the uh, the loss to the Czechs in the qualifying tournament that they paid all the money to host on their own soil really kind of soured me and just kind of left me in a wake me when they make the Olympics kind of mode. But alas, we are here. It is not an Olympic year. It's a FIBA World Cup year in Canada. Is one of the Vegas favorites for the tournament taking place in the Philippines, Japan, and Indonesia starting on August the 25th, I believe. And uh, they've already started their exhibition schedule, losing yesterday to Toronto Raptors legend Dennis Schroeder and the uh, German national team in an exhibition contest in which Shea Gilgis Alexander was not very good. Nikhil Alexander Walker and Lou Dort did some stuff. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit. We'll get into the coaching change uh nick nurse to yordi fernandez obviously big news uh and sort of a weird time obviously for the national team as well we'll lay out the stakes of the tournament and all that but oren let's just start here you mentioned the check loss i still have visions of the venezuela loss uh way back in 
God, what, who, what, 24, 15, something like that. Uh, just nasty, nasty stuff. I've been promised for my entire adult life that the Canadians are coming, that the national team is going to do the thing, make the Olympics, go and fight for medals. They have yet to do that. The FIBA World Cup obviously presents an opportunity to do that. Uh, the top seven teams, I guess two uh, America's teams, among that seven group of teams that to qualify will get through. The teams that don't qualify will have a second chance next summer at the qualifying tournaments, which, again, don't go so well for Canada. Oren, I want to believe it's different. You've got commitments from Shea Gildas-Alexander. We'll see about Jamal Murray. You've got uh, RJ Barrett. You've got Dylan Brooks, correct? Like, you've got teams that are, like, a team that's good with players who are notable and recognizable and all this stuff. We've seen this before in the past, maybe not to this extent. Why will it be different this time? Why should I, a disaffected Canada basketball fan, throw myself back in and wake up at weird hours to watch the World Cup to see if Canada can actually punch their ticket to Paris 2024? Yeah, I think a lot of people are like you in that, like, they're not going to believe it until they see it. I think that's fair. I feel like this team feels cursed in a lot of ways where just things that don't make sense happen to them consistently in the biggest games, the worst things happen. And that's been a consistent for, you know, dating back to 2000 when they last made the Olympics. So Mm -hmm. I think it's fair for sure for people to be uh, skeptical about what is happening. However, I do think things are different. I, I don't think the expectation for like fans should be like metal or bust. Just because, like, this is such a tough tournament. Like, you could argue that this tournament is more competitive than the Olympics. It's 32 of the best teams in the world. It's knockout pretty much from almost the second round down. It's really hard. It's going to be really hard for Canada to medal in this thing. Um, Even though there's a chance for them to do it, I would say, like, there's, like, a chance for 10 teams to do it. And and it's really going to be, like... 50 50 coin flip type of stuff but in terms of like their goal it is it's publicly stated and it should be just to qualify for the olympics that basically means place top two in the americas so probably behind wherever the united states faces but ahead of teams like dominican republic and brazil and and puerto rico and stuff like that so Mm -hmm. i really think that's possible and and here's uh, here's the pitch okay i think ready (laughs) okay let's start with like the more hard to define stuff but stuff that i believe in which is like when they lost in victoria they were pissed off they had a meeting in the locker room and they were like if we're serious about this we all have to commit we all have to like actually commit every summer to this Mm -hmm. build up chemistry do it just like this czech team did it which is like they're not as talented as us but they actually have been playing together for years and they've done that so like there's a clear like hunger and a clear like frustration and a desire to like achieve this goal that they have not been able to get over for a long time i think that stuff matters but then looking at it just like more objectively i think they have everything like the talent is pretty clearly there shea is gonna be maybe the second best player in this whole tournament behind luca you could make Mm -hmm. the argument um they have the best backcourt in the tournament if murray plays like the top end talent is really there and i think something that gets underrated with top end talent too is like the clutch factor like you cut you go into a a tied game with canada you have shea and murray taking those shots you feel really confident compared to pretty much any team in the tournament and that is different than murray than like wiggins and rj barrett taking those shots two years Mm -hmm. ago in victoria like those guys are good but 
it's a different level of like carrying an NBA team or like these wings who are good FIBA players. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, the top end talent, the clutch factors is there. You know, I think they have the veteran presence that they need guys like Olinick and Powell who have been there for years and and actually have like a lot of respect in that locker room. Even guys like RJ and Shea have played since 2016 with the senior team and like they know FIBA basketball like it's not Mm -hmm. like this is again, we talked about America off air. None of those guys on that American team have ever played FIBA at a senior level. Whereas when we talk about the Canadian team, yeah, they're not as experienced as like a France or, or like a Germany but these guys, a lot of them have played FIBA, whether it's at the youth level or at the senior level. Um, and then, yeah, like continuity is another thing. Like these guys have been playing together for most of their lives or mm-hmm. at the very least against each other. Like I'm talking about AAU ball, high school, like these guys grew up in similar regions. All of them are pretty much born between 96 and 2000, like that's like the whole core group is born within then. And so I think there's a lot of familiarity and they talked about it in the training lamp, like they're friends, like this is a legit group that like wants to play together that, that is having fun doing it. And I think that matters a lot when it comes to like, we're going to talk about it. They had a coaching change two months out of the world cup. Like this isn't the most experienced FIBA group, but it is a group that like has literally known each other since high school in most cases. And I think mm-hmm. that matters too. So yeah, I, th- I think all that stuff, when it could just look at the Canadian team, like a lot has is lining up for them in this tournament. And when you look at it in the grander scope of the tournament, they did fall on the wrong side of the bracket. We'll talk about that. But like Giannis is probably not going to play. Jokic is probably not going is, is not going to play. Um, the Americans send their B team like none of the real stars are going. So when you look at it in terms of like how open this tournament is, you know, Embiid and Wemby aren't playing for France. Ricky Rubio is out for Spain. This is a wide open field. And so mm-hmm. I think all those things uh, make it seem like Canada has a real opportunity at the very least here. You're starting to get me, Oren. I'm still like, I don't want to look at it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to think about it. But you know what? Pretty compelling case. I think just the case of Shea Gildas Alexander and Jamal Murray together uh, is pretty thrilling. I guess quickly before we get to break here, uh, you've been following this a lot closer than I have. What do you kind of read into the status of Jamal Murray? Like it's been kind of hot and cold, obviously long season with the Nuggets going all the way to the NBA finals. Um, do you expect he's going to play? Like what's the sort of vibe coming out of Canada camp right now uh, that you're picking up on? Do you, do you expect he will be there for is starting next to Shea Gillis Alexander in that vaunted backcourt? Yeah, I expect him to play. I think, honestly, this question comes back to the same kind of skepticism that people have about the team in general. They have about <laughs> they have about Murray because he went to camp and then he didn't travel to Germany for the first three exhibition games. And then there was like a panic you saw on Twitter with the Canadian mm. basketball fans like, oh, man, here we go again. Guys dropping out last minute. NBA teams holding guys out because of injury. I really don't think it's about that. Like, this isn't reporting, but why would Jamal Murray go to camp Hmm. participate in in practices fully which i'm told he did only to not show up like that to me seems like a huge distraction when this team only has a month to get their stuff together why Hmm. would you put like a a starting point guard into the fold only when if he didn't have like a real real chance to play so i think this is more of like give jamal an extended offseason he's only had like a month and a bit here since he won the title 
don't make him go to Germany for these three games. But yeah, I would be pretty surprised if he didn't travel to Spain for the last two exhibition games and meet the team there. Um, so that, that's just a feeling I get is that he's going to play. Cause again, I don't see why they would have invited him to camp and just gone through all of that. If then he just wasn't going to show up, that wouldn't make sense to me. You're convincing me more, man. Just the idea of Murray and Shea in the backcourt, uh, like that's enough to get me like excited to wake up to watch these games, if nothing else. And like you said, with the key absences for other teams, even with the bracket being a little stacked against their favor, um, you're, you got a puncher's chance in any game where those two dudes are uh, carving you like... They, they compliment each other so perfectly, too, man. Oh, my God. It's very exciting. Uh, all right. I'm in. Let's go. Canada winning the gold. Let's go. We'll come back to the side, talk about the coaching change. Obviously, a very big storyline coming in. Nick Nurse out. Jordi Fernandez in. And this is how we get our Raptors connection into the Raptors show. We'll get to that in just a sec. Before we do that, however, got to tell you better friends over at FanDuel, the number one sports book in all the land. And football season is just about to kick off. And that means that FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long. Because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner... You get bonus bets every single time they win in a reg- in the regular season as well. That is incredible. You pick a team, and they're going to be giving you little gifties all through the year as they win games, as they you know pick up the, that win total, rack it up. You can get what? If, if you're picking a team that's going to go 13 or 14 and 4, or whatever, how many games they play in the NFL these days, uh, you can go and get little bonus bets every single time that team wins on their way to eventually paying off ideally with a Super Bowl win. Right now, you can use your bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Go check them out. All right, we continue on here. Oren Weisfeld along as we uh, continue on your first listen of the day. Sorry, this one's coming a little later. Maybe not your first listen, unless you're one of the sickos who's been waiting with bated breath for the show to drop at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, but Oren, let's dive back in here to the Canada basketball stuff. And obviously the big story of the summer, Nick Nurse, no longer the head coach, stepped down not long after being let go by the Raptors. All the talk after he was let go by the Raptors was, ah, he's still sticking with Team Canada. Canada, it always had a bit of a Brian Colangelo sticking with the Raptors after he was fired in lieu of Masai Ujiri kind of vibe to me. Um, it seems as though he still wanted to be the coach. I guess maybe his responsibilities with the Sixers were uh, deemed too important, and so he is no longer with Team Canada. All the reporting is that he was very helpful in the transition to Jordi Fernandez, who we talked about on this show back during the coaching search. He was uh, one of the guys they were very much considering to hire as the head coach of the Toronto Raptors, by all accounts. And now he takes over, of course, Fernandez recently, or most recently, an assistant with the Sacramento Kings and an assistant coach with Mike Brown on the Team Nigeria team that uh, had a lot of fun over, uh, what was the tournament they did that in? I don't know. All these tournaments run together, man. Anyway, uh, that's not important. He's got FIBA experience. It was the Olympics. That's right. That's right. Shout out to Kayla Bagata, our guy. Uh, Anyway. (laughs) And Precious. Precious. That's damn right. Yeah. Um, So Jordi Fernandez takes over. Well, obviously, you know, we have to get like necessarily into like the drama of it all. We get it. Nick Nurse got a new job and this kind of is what this what happened. It's fine. Um, What does this do? Like, it seems like kind of a big curveball to throw into a program that, as you said, 
has had guys committed for a couple of years. Nurse has been the coach since 2019. Um, so there is, in theory, some form of continuity, however much continuity you can get with offseason basketball. But what does this mean for the sort of shape of the team going into the year? Do you imagine, uh, sorry, going into the tournament, do you imagine there's going to be like a massive play style shift? It's obviously like kind of a not ideal situation, but it seems as though Jordi Fernandez, as you wrote back in July, is about as good as he could have done as far as a pivot. Um, where are you at with the Jordi thing and or Jordi thing, excuse me, and how does that sort of affect what this team is going to be doing? Yeah, I call him Jordy. I'm not sure if that's wrong. <laughs> but, uh, everyone's been calling him Jordy, so I'm going to continue doing that until he. I corrects. just go with the uh, the pure Spanish pronunciations yeah, yeah. because I'm just an affluent man. What can I say? <laughs> no, uh... cultured man. <laughs> um, no, it's a good question. I think I think it certainly hurts their upside in this tournament. Like mm. you mentioned, Nick was the coach since 2019. I and then even in the windows where, for example, Nick was coaching the Raptors and and Canada would go for these qualifiers and like Nate Bjorkman would coach, you know, they they've been running that system since 2019. So that is a lot of built up kind of just chemistry and systems and plays. And so I think Jordy has a tough job. And I think basically like, yeah, I think their upside is limited in in that this isn't going to be a team that is like running these crisp offensive sets and that has like, years of con you even saw it in the germany game i think where that's a team with years of continuity they know what they want to go to at the end of the games they know they're out of timeout plays like they they ran a lot cleaner offense than i think canada did and and really jordy he had one month he has one month in between training camp and the world cup to put in a completely new system because coaching isn't one of those things where you can go okay we're gonna keep what what nick did and jordy's just gonna run it like it Mm -hmm. i just don't think coaching works that way so they really are learning a completely different system. And really what I think it means is like they have to play simple basketball. Like a month is not enough time to really put anything too complex in. So I think Jordy is just going to have to get them to not beat themselves, if that makes sense. Like play mm-hmm. good defense, get out on the break. And in the half court, it's going to be like the talent like Shay and, and Jamal who are like really going to have to do it because it's not going to be like again a thing where they have four or five plays that they can go run at any time is just not enough time to like get that into guys heads and Mm -hmm. ingrained so i i do think it hurts their upside in this specific tournament just just not having that kind of continuity in in the coaching staff and the system um but again yeah it seems like jordy's a very good coach seems like he has their respect and and they're playing hard for him and um yeah i i think again they have enough talent to where mm-hmm. as long as they are not beating themselves they're going to be fine in this tournament and you just kind of i don't think you can ask for anything other than that from jordy with with one month um so so that's kind of how i would say it's affecting them for this tournament specifically mm-hmm. um but yeah they, they're definitely two very different coaches you even saw it a bit during the Germany game, I think, with certain choices Jordy made, like Brooks starting. That was Nikhil's job last summer. Um, Brooks wasn't there, but still, I think, had Nurse been coaching this team, given how much he had spoken about like rewarding continuity, rewarding guys who were there last summer, I think it would have been Nikhil's job. Um, so just like certain things like that, it's just going to be interesting to monitor like how that Brooks thing works out for him. Um, mm mm-hmm. And we'll see as, as time goes on in these exhibitions. 
No doubt. Well, let's dig a little bit more into the players on the roster. We talked Shea and Jamal, obviously. I'm really fascinated by the big man tandem of Dwight Powell and Kelly Olynyk. <laughs> Me too. I feel like Olynyk is just he's such a FIBA player right like he's got like the passing he's got the sort of the nastiness that you kind of need as well um it's it's very physical you're not getting bailed out by calls like it's like a nasty brand of basketball in the sort of the dirty areas and I feel like Olenek has always been like their best big at any of these tournaments to like just have on the floor for those situations those two dudes are going to be leaned on pretty heavily right because like the backup big situation is like Kyle Alexander and Melvin Edgem it's not to say they're bad players but obviously there's a talent drop off from those two NBA guys to a couple guys who get the tour around Europe quite a bit but where are you at with the sort of quality of the big men? Do you think Olenek and Powell, while maybe not the sexiest big names, are actually maybe pretty perfect for this roster as sort of lower usage dudes who can kind of grease the wheels of effective offense while the big studs kind of do the, the, the big the big flashy work on offense? Yeah, so that's like one of the preview pieces that I'm writing for this tournament is about exactly that. Because if you want to poke a hole in this roster, it's in the front court. They only mm-hmm. have two NBA players in the whole front court and it's Powell and Olenek. But like, fortunately, if you want to kind of make the argument that it'll be fine, those two have been great whenever they played together. Like you said, mm-hmm. they, they complement each other really perfectly. Olenek is kind of that guy who plays on the perimeter, playmaker, shooter. Powell is just a very traditional, good FIBA center. Nothing sexy about his game, but he's big. He's strong. He knows how to play FIBA. He has... Him and Olenek have like 80 caps together on the senior team. And the next guy after that is like eight on this team because the coach (laughs) is not playing. So like it's pretty crazy. Um, But yeah, like I would say I would honestly go so far as to argue that like this team will go as far as those guys take them in a sense. Sure, We saw it in Victoria. Powell fouls out in the check game. He couldn't stay on the floor. He played like 22 minutes. And it was just a nightmare. They went small, they doubled the post, and it was just like open threes for the checks. And that's because there's no, at least on that team, there wasn't like a a backup big to come in the game in a situation like that. Hopefully Kyle Alexander will be that guy. He looked great against Germany um, in the exhibition. But yeah, the, the front court depth is definitely weak, but those two guys are really good FIBA players. I trust them for the most part. There's going to obviously be games where certain guys have to step up. You're not going to stay out of foul trouble for the whole tournament. Um, And yeah, you hope that Alexander, maybe Edie makes the roster and he can play. I'm a little skeptical on that. Um, Ejim looked good last game. And then even guys like Brooks and and Barrett will slide up to the four and play in those kind of guard heavy lineups that Mm. I think also this roster is pretty well suited to play. I will say like lastly on, on the front court, if, if I had one concern from the Germany game, it, it wasn't Shea. I thought it was funny that people were like, FIBA Shea. I don't know if he can figure out FIBA. Like, no, you should have watched <laughs> He's last time. Like, you were, in, you yeah. were in Hamilton, right, Sean? Like, he was, that was yeah, insane ridiculous. what he did last yeah. summer. Mm-hmm. I'm not at all, he he had some rust. Like, he hasn't played basketball in months. So I'm not worried about Shea. But, but Powell and Olenek defensively, I thought were not very good. Mm-hmm. And again, they have rust. They're NBA players. They took the summer off. So, like, I'm hoping it's just that. But um, it, if that's going to actually be an issue defensively with the two of them, um, then this team could have issues. At least there's no Jokic to have to handle. That's, uh, that's, that's true. That's a very, very, very good thing. Not that he's in their half of the bracket, but 
Still, uh, we'll come back and decide. We'll lay out the path ahead for Canada. I also want to ask Oren about FIBA rules, because I love FIBA rules, and I think there should be more of them in the NBA. We'll talk about that coming up in just a second. Before we do that, however, just a reminder, you can check out Locked On Blue Jays every day in your favorite podcast app. Craig Ballard does a wonderful job documenting the daily ups and downs of your Blue Jays. Uh, of course, back-to-back games of one nothing against Cleveland in the most boring series I've ever watched, but Craig is not boring. He will tell you all about it over on Locked on Blue Jays. Go subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. All right, Oren, let's uh, get into the path for Canada. They are in group uh, H, the very last of the groups. Uh, They are with Latvia, Lebanon, and France. Obviously, France always a contender at these tournaments. You mentioned a couple guys not available for them, so that's notable. Noembi in particular. Um, And I know Joel Embiid's Mm. sort of commitment to either France or the States is very much up in the air at the moment. He's not going to be there. Um, Latvia, news today, actually, that Kristaps Porzingis might not not be there, which uh, you would think is a big hit to their chances of coming out of the group. What do you make of the group first? Uh, You know, again, Latvia, Lebanon, France. Do you think Canada should walk through this group pretty easy? We'll get into the knockout path from there. But what's your sort of read on this? Yeah, I I think fairly people are concerned. Uh, This is kind of one of the group of deaths for sure. There might be two, and and I would say this is one of them. Uh, If Kristaps plays, like this is an extremely tough group because he played Mm -hmm. last summer. He looked really good for them. He's obviously an ideal FIBA center just with his rim protection and three-point shooting. Um, There's something about him having a foot injury, but I also heard that wasn't true. So I'm going with the assumption he plays. I still think Canada is just a better team pretty clearly Mm -hmm. all around. Like, Bertans and and Kristaps are their only two NBA players and Kristaps hasn't really been playing with them for a while like he played last summer but before that it was like a year's long break so I'm not too worried I guess I'm not as worried about Latvia as a lot of people are I'm pretty confident Canada is going to come out of the group regardless of if Murray plays if Kristaps plays like I just think they're a better team France obviously that's the first game of the World Cup for Canada that's going to be a banger tune in mm-hmm. um I think that'll really give us a sense of where Canada's at because France is, I would say, like one of the real favorites to win this tournament. They came second in Eurobasket last summer. Um, They're stacked with NBA players. They have a ton of familiarity. So Canada's in for a tough group. Uh, I think they'll make it out. But then after that, um, as you might want to explain, they will be in a secondary group with Spain. Um, and then only two of, of Spain, France, and Canada are going to make it onto the quarterfinals. So mm-hmm. that's where I think things are really going to get tough for Canada. Yeah, that's tough stuff. So the way it's split up, groups E through H are on one half of the bracket, and they will converge to meet the winner of groups uh, letters A through D. <laughs> Good God. Uh, in the semifinals. So it'll be within groups E through H. For the first uh, handful of knockout games at least. On that side of the bracket, you have in Group E, you've got Germany, who they just lost to. You've got Australia, who's always a nightmare to play against as like just mean, gruff, elbow-giving Australians. Uh, You've got, uh, I guess, will Larry Markin be there for Finland? Because that's an interesting wrinkle in that group as well. He's very, very good. Um, Good question. I think probably still not favorites. He had Army. He had Army, but I think he's out of Army for that. 
That's right. That's right. Um, he had army. And then <laughs> uh... You've got uh, on the in Group F. You've got Slovenia, Luka Doncic. Okay, horrifying stuff. I, will old friend Goran Dragic and Zoran Dragic be playing? We'll see. No, um, you got Georgia. Shout out Dave Dufour, assistant coach for Georgia. We love our pal Dave Dufour. Uh, oh, Cape cool. Verde. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Recently, I've been following his Instagrams of uh, going around Europe, assistant coaching. Former Locked On Raptors guest Dave Dufour, assistant coach for Team Georgia. Very exciting. Um, also in that group, you got Venezuela and Cape Verde. And then Group G, like you mentioned, Spain, Brazil, Ivory Coast, and Iran. Um, yeah, that's a tough slog. And the the part of this, too, is... You're going to have to keep an eye on which teams from the Americas qualify here as well. Maybe that's the more interesting question. You've got mm-hmm. Brazil. You've got uh, other teams here. Let me just kind of sort through. you got Mexico, obviously, Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, and the States. Only two of those teams are going to get that instant bid into the uh, into the Olympics in 2024 and avoid those play-in tournaments. Where are you at with like how they stack up against those other teams in the Americas before we get into sort of the pathway to the knockout round? Sure. So I think, yeah, like you mentioned it, one side of the bracket is a lot easier than the other. And and the biggest threat for Canada is probably the Dominican Republic. They're Mm. in Group A. And so they're in America's side of the bracket, the easier side. Um, They had a really good qualifying run last summer. They beat Argentina in Argentina to qualify for this World Cup. So Argentina's not in this World Cup, which is like crazy. Um, bizarre yeah <laughs> and they did it without carl anthony towns who's playing with them so like a roster without cat got them here and now they're mm-hmm. adding cat to it so that's pretty obviously like the biggest threat mostly because they have an easier route than canada does and then also they have like a really good team um and then their the other group is up... by the way angola philippines and italy rounding out group a so not exactly heavy hitters right philippines obviously only there because they're hosting like a really easy group and then i would say brazil is the other sleeper for me in the Mm -hmm. americas um they they just met they they like lost in in the america in the final to argentina but they have a really good team and um they're on the tough side of the bracket so like i don't see them finishing ahead of canada um but i do think they're a bit of a sleeper to to challenge them for sure yeah we'll we'll see the uh let's just get to it man predictions what do you got do you think canada's coming through where how far do they get and uh do you think they get one of those two america spots yeah these things are really hard to predict just because like it's the knockout nature of things one Mm -hmm, injury mm -hmm. it's one game you're out um but i i think they'll get out of their group and then basically how it'll work is like your record from the group stage will carry over to a second group stage which will be Mm -hmm. the top two teams from g and h so spain will will join them and like i said canada will basically have to have a better record after those games than either spain or france i think Mm -hmm. they will beat out spain just because spain is dealing with like a lot of rubio's out and lorenzo brown is also out their two best guards pretty much are not playing in this tournament. So I see France and Canada moving on to the quarterfinals. And yeah, I think I'm not going to predict Canada to win the whole thing, but I think they will get one of those coveted Olympic spots and um, yeah, maybe make it to the semis. Maybe that, that that's kind of where I would predict them third, fourth, that area. Um, I think they're a step down from teams like France 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I certainly think if Murray plays, they could anything could happen. Like this team has everything it needs to win. Um, not going to predict it just because that that's kind of crazy. But uh, it wouldn't. Wow, wow! Bring you on the <laughs> podcast, put you on the spot with an unfair question, and you dodge it. Unbelievable. <laughs> I did say third or fourth. That's pretty good. There you go. That's, hey, that's we'll take it. it gets, yeah. yeah, we're uh, putting that in stone. Third or fourth uh, is exactly where they will finish. Um, my last question for you, FIBA basketball. I love FIBA rules. I, I call FIBA rules uh, when I'm doing CBL games, and uh, there's just like a lot of fun little wrinkles in there that are better than the NBA. Uh, what is your favorite FIBA rule? One FIBA rule that if you were commissioner of the NBA for a day, you would say, this is a rule in our league now. What you got? Yeah, I also love FIBA rules. I love FIBA. It's my favorite thing to cover. I love international basketball. If you're a Raptors fan and you've never watched it, I highly recommend tuning in to this World Cup. It's really fun. I would say, especially if we're thinking about like the NBA, the lack of a three in the key rule would be my favorite rule. Mm. I would love if they brought it over to the NBA or changed it to like five in the key. So basically bigs in FIBA can stay in the paint as long as they want. Mm-hmm. It just makes it so much harder to score and i think we've all seen in the nba this season especially there's it's too easy to score essentially like defense is too hard to play without fouling Mm -hmm. and guys have just gotten too skilled to where the game is kind of set up for offensive players and so i think a rule like this that just makes basically drive and kicks for open threes so much more difficult when your big can just stay there um i think that would be great in the nba honestly I am a big fan of any idea that kind of strikes back against the out- outburst of offense just because mm-hmm. it's interesting, just because it makes games more like we've seen throughout the years, like major changes that have made things easier for offense and it's improved the game. Obviously, you know, hand check rules, the three point line, et cetera. But mm. I, I, why can't it be improved by adding more help for defensive players to get the job done too? defense is cool and fun. Um, I love that one. Mine is uh, basket interference. Like when it's on the rim, I think you should just mm. be able to uh, put it down. If it's in the cylinder, I don't care. Uh, it, it leads to more dunks. Anything that takes fun, put back dunks off the table is a bad rule and the nba's current rules for basket interference are frankly cowardly so uh more dunks more dunking balls that are just sitting on the rim back in and knocking them off the rim as well it helps the defenders too because you can just knock it away instead of waiting for it to spin down would we have seen the Kawhi leonard bounce shot in fiba probably not maybe that's the the rule the the sort of argument against it but uh i think there's a a version of the basket interference rule in fiba that you could put in the nba to make it very very fun and make it so a guy like precious achua becomes one of the best players in the league because he doesn't have to offensive rebound and bring it back down anymore he can just go up and put it in perfect Mm -hmm. lovely uh all right we'll leave it there Oren, thank you so much for hopping on man where can people check out all of your great coverage of the canada basketball lead up to the world cup and the world cup itself yeah, no, thanks for having me. I always love to talk Canada basketball. Um, I'll be writing at Sportsnet pretty much every day once the World Cup starts, doing like a little blog on on kind of the whole, just whatever happens that day. Sweet. And then I'll also be doing some Canada gamers at Yahoo Sports Canada. So you can find my work there. 
Outstanding. Everyone go check out Oren's awesome work. You can find me and my not so awesome work over at Twitter at Woodley Sean. You can follow, subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast for free wherever you get your podcasts. As always, join our Discord server. Link is in the description. Would love to see you in there. And uh, that's going to do it for now. I'll be back again next week with some uh, mailbag episodes that you'll be like, why is Sean wearing the same shirt he's wearing today? It's because I batch recorded a bunch of mailbag shows for vacation today. So uh, you'll have some mailbags to get you through the next couple of weeks. We'll be back with regular episodes on the other side of that uh katie heindel will be on actually tuesday's mailbag that one's already in the can but then there's three more with me wearing this exact outfit uh that'll drop the following thursday and then the next tuesday and thursday while i am away gallivanting out west we will leave it there thank you so much everyone have a wonderful day thanks for hanging goodbye <laughs>